Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to episode 239 uh, of No One's Ready for Wrestling as we talk professional wrestling and give my thoughts on the news that I read and the shows that I watch. If you are new, I welcome you. Allow me to introduce myself. <clears throat> Greetings and salutations, new listeners. I am the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. It is the boy, Shino D. Phoenix. And I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in for this episode of this podcast. I am recording this on Thursday because I know I'm going to be busy Saturday and Sunday. So I barely won't have time to uh, to do all the stuff that I wanted to do. So is November is a busy month for me. Work route. Ra- Work-wise, and of course, podcasting and streaming-wise. So, there's so much on my plate right now. But I welcome you guys here to this episode. And I hope you guys enjoy what I have to talk about. Now, speaking of which, we're going to talk about Crown Jewel, which which is, I thought was the weakest out of all the premium live events. I'm going to say that up front. We had... A title change. We had a return. What did I think about the show overall? Which you just heard me say. It was the weakest. We're going to talk about AEW. There's really not much news coming out of AEW. Well, there is five things I want to mention about AEW. Um, We will talk about the build for Full Gear. Which Full Gear is next is next Saturday. I won't be able to watch it next Saturday, unfortunately, because I will be going to a Wildcat Wrestling show celebrating two years of the Revolution Rumble, which I am really glad that my... And here's a fun fact for all of you who don't know. Fun fact. My first Wildcat event was the Revolution Rumble. That was my first Wildcat um event, and I'm really grateful that I got to that I got to be at that show. I'm really grateful that I got to actually befriend like half of the roster, you know. Like half of the wrestlers there are my friends. So I'm going to run down the card real quick, guys. So just to give y'all the rundown on what we got. We have a Falls Count Anywhere match between PJ Hawks and Brady Pierce, the current Wildcat Heavyweight Champion. That title is on the line. We have Danny Flamingo taking on Chuck Devine for the um, Wildcat Revolution Championship. I'm pulling for Danny Flamingo to finally beat Chuck Devine, please. Um, we have Suge White versus Edward King. That's going to be interesting. And I'm looking forward to that match. And of course, we got the Revolution Rumble. We don't know if there's... A women's match on the show. I hope to God there is because, you know, I love the women. I love women's wrestling. I've been a big fan of women's wrestling for a long, long time. But just to give you the rundown on the participants that we have so far, we have Jace Valor, Billy Paradise. We have uh, Drew Taylor, Nate Bradley, Chris Cruz, Camus. I have no idea who Camus is. Um, Duke Roberts. Reza Relay and Rob McKnight. Those are the only names that we got so far. Now, also, people who are going to appear on this show, which, if you want to know, 
We're going to have slime season. Moonshine Mantel. The tag team champions fly deaf. And speaking of slime season, since I'm recording this on Thursday, I want to wish a special happy birthday to my boy, one half of slime season, Buku Dao, my dude, my homie. I hope your birthday is amazing. I hope your birthday is filled filled with love. And honestly, I say this every time, slime season is one of my favorite tag teams on the independent wrestling scene. So I will be attending that. I'm going to miss full gear, but... Hey, I'll rewatch it. I'll rewatch it. So I don't want people to think I've abandoned it. I'm going to rewatch it before I record. So we're going to talk um, Dynamite. We're going to talk about NWA. How they fucked up their, their deal with CW because of a dumb spot. And now there's frustration within NWA because of Billy Corgan's leadership. We got an update on Alex Hammerstone's uh, status with MLW. Is Did MLW grant his release or did they not? We got news on Will Ospreay. WWE is absolutely in the picture to sign Will Ospreay. I mean, can you not blame him? Blame them? The guy's one of the best in the world. But do I think he's going to WWE? You guys know what my answer is. We got another CM Punk rumor making the rounds because, look, Survivor Series is in the United Center in Chicago. And it's War Games, which I'm really happy about. Um, We got news on Saray. She signed with a new promotion instead of returning to WWE. And there's no ill will towards uh, Saray about that. And... We got news on WWE being interested in Stardom's Julia. And that is something I did not expect. Because look, Julia is fucking a beast. She is a beast. She's amazing. And I think you guys might love her. We got rumors on the TV networks interested in broadcasting rights to air Raw. And a rumor on where Raw might land. We got news on where NXT is going to be landing. This is a big story that broke. NXT has found their home. We got news on Jay Cargill. She fires back at fans about not wrestling in WWE yet. I don't know why fans are so impatient. I don't know why. Be patient. She will get in the ring soon, okay? Just be patient, all right? And WWE announces their schedule for next year's WrestleMania. So this is going to be an interesting interesting episode. And uh, I'm glad that you guys are taking your time to listen to this this, uh, episode. But if you guys want to find me on les social media, you can follow me on the Twitter. We're not calling it X. It's Twitter. It's Twitter. Is Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. Shino D Phoenix. That's where I'm at. Um, I do live tweet for Raw. I do live tweet for uh, NXT. I did not live tweet for uh, Dynamite. Just so much um, that I've been doing lately. Um, and also, yesterday, this week, I celebrated my brother's 34th birthday. So, MC, if you're listening to this, happy. Even though I said happy birthday already, I hope you enjoyed your birthday. Hope you enjoyed your birthday week. And uh, 
keep writing this next chapter, man. Keep writing this chapter until next year. Keep on writing. Keep on writing. Um, now, I also do SmackDown. I also talk about um, wrestling on Twitter. And I do my Wednesday shoutouts to show my love to those I care about. Um, I also promote my content now. Speaking of which, if you're not following me on Twitch or Kick, please do so. It's Shino Phoenix. On Twitch, we've been doing um, these watch party reactions to WWE pay-per-views, which I think they've been pretty good. And I'm really glad that I'm doing those more often. I need to do them all the time. Now, Survivor Series is their last one for WWE because December, there's no pay-per-views. Well, except for NXT, which is NXT deadline. Um, so that's that. And uh, I do stream a lot of games, which I'm going to be back streaming next week. So I'm really excited for that because I took a week off from streaming. I'm stream deprived. But that doesn't, but it doesn't hurt to take a week off. Also, 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 you can follow me on Instagram, CoolManSip, that's CYP, by the way. And also on threads, I've been on threads a lot more, which I've been finding some new amazing friends, which looks like I got to um to write, like tell people who I am, you know? So, uh. That's something I'm going to be doing. So Threads, you can find me there. She, not Chino, Cool Man Sip. It's the same with Instagram. Uh, follow me on TikTok. We've been posting some TikToks. Like I'm trying to think about doing it like two TikToks per day or per week. And one of them I did was me reacting to a certain wrestler returning to WWE. Which I'm really happy that I did that. Like, I'm really happy that uh, it went the way I wanted it to. <laughs> so, we got that. And um, also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I've been putting m more of my Twitch clips or kick clips on YouTube. If you want to see what I'm all about, please take a look. Take a look. I would really, really appreciate it. And both of them, Shino D. Phoenix. TikTok and YouTube, Shino D. Phoenix. And also like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. That way you guys can stay up to date on the podcast. And, and I know I've been slacking on Facebook lately. So uh, just bear with me. That's all you got to do. You got to bear with me. I've been slacking. But uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Let's get right into the show. Let's talk Crown Jewel first. Um, and I did a watch party. Like, it, it wasn't bad, but I just felt that it was one of... Like, looking back on it now, I feel like it was one of their weakest premium live events this year. In my honest opinion. It felt more like a house show, to say the least. But uh, we did have a kickoff match. We had Sami Zayn taking on JD McDonough. I thought they had a good match. I thought they had a really, really good match. And do you want to know what made me happy about that match? Sami Zayn won with a hit the Haluba kick. And he won with the blue thunderbomb, which I love. That is a perfect fucking setup. 
Like, he should do that more often because the Blue Thunder Bomb is a pretty-ass finisher. Now, Sami Zayn also made history because this was his 900th match with the company after signing and starting in NXT back in 2013. Like, that was his 900th match. So, that's a big, big milestone. So, I got to give him props for that. I thought that was really nice, but, like, this was a good match. This was a good way to get the crowd pumped. But our main card kicked off with the World Heavyweight Championship match between Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. This was the best match on the entire premium live event. This was the best match on the entire premium live event. I don't care what anybody says. It is one of the best. And if you don't agree with me, I don't know what to tell you. This match was excellent. And Seth Rollins, he does not disappoint. Now, if you guys are wondering, and I didn't mention this on the last episode, Gunther cannot travel internationally for six months. So, Gunther actually revealed that. He can't travel uh, internationally for six months. So, we, we will see him at some point. We will see him back in August. Because you know that... He ain't missing that Berlin show. The Bash in Berlin show in August. He ain't missing that. I'm telling you. Um, The way I see this, like this, this match, I will rewatch it over and over again. Like we are descending Drew McIntyre into that heel territory, which I like. That's what this, this story is telling us. Seth Rollins, he won. He retained, which made sense because he wasn't losing that title. As much as I wanted Drew to win the title, he was not going to lose the title. He was not going to beat Seth Rollins. Now, after the match, Damian Priest comes in. He's teasing, cashing in when his briefcase gets jacked by Sami Zayn. And I laughed my fucking ass off seeing that because it, it, it was just genius. That, that That's the best word I could describe that. It was genius. For what he did. I-, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think they did an amazing job. And this is going to set up what we're about to head to when we talk Monday Night Raw. So I- I'm really excited about that match. I- about what's going to happen later when we talk Raw. I thought the Women's World Championship match was good. You had Rhea Ripley, who had this long-ass entrance, uh, take on Shayna Baszler, whose theme is growing, whose theme is literally growing on me right now. Um, Zoe Starks, Raquel Rodriguez, and Nia Jax. Good match. I thought this was good. And Shayna, I said this on the watch party, I thought Shayna was the highlight of that entire match. What she did in that ring was fucking amazing. Like, and I hope WWE starts to push her to the moon. So, hopefully, we see more Shayna on television, which we're getting, and I'm happy about that. I'm happy about that. Now, Rhea, she retained, she hit a super riptide. But she pinned Shayna Baszler to retain. And 
I, I like this. I thought this was good for what it was. I thought all the women did a good job. You had Solo Sokoa taking on John Cena. This is a match like I was indifferent about because you got to give the win to Solo to establish him as a big name. Or you give the win to John Cena to have him break the streak. Now, the match, standard counters, back and forth. I mean, it, it did what it had to do. Um, but Solo Sokoa, he Samoan spiked John Cena like, what, 13 or 14 times? Um, and Solo Sokoa got the win over John Cena. Now, with the SAG strike coming to an end, it looks like this will be the last time we see John Cena in a WWE ring. He's He was hinting retirement on social media. So, you know how John Cena gets a lot of people talking. But he couldn't beat Solo Sokoa. But we'll see what's next with uh, John Cena. Now, what do you do with Solo Sokoa now that he beat John Cena? Hopefully, he doesn't fall in that Austin Theory territory. Because Austin Theory... Ain't looking too good. Now, they did a Miz TV segment. This should have been cut. Like, you could have saved this with a kickoff or some shit like that. This, I did not care about. And, and I'm being real when I say this. Like, now, you had a segment with Grayson Waller and the stand-up comedian. Now, forgive me if I butcher this name wrong. Ibram Al-Haji. And the Grayson... Now, Waller turns Miz TV into the Grayson Waller effect. Now, Ibram said the, that Miz TV is the hottest show in WWE. Waller tells Ibram to get out of the ring, which leads to Waller attacking the comedian. Miz drops him with a big brute, hits Grayson Waller, what destroys the Grayson Waller effect set. And he hits the skull crushing finale. And Ibram plants him with a people's elbow. I, I did not care about this. And I'm being, I'm being respectful in that way. I, I did not care about this. Like, it, it wasn't even needed. Like, it, it wasn't... Like, you shouldn't have done the segment in the first place. Like, um... You shouldn't have done that segment. Like, it was just filler for the sake of filling time. But anyway. We had the United States title on the line. Rey Mysterio defended his... Title against Logan Paul. I thought this was a really good match. And I gotta give the devil his due. Logan Paul. Let, let me be real when I say this. People don't understand. Like, sure, Logan Paul has done some stupid shit. And we we have to hold him accountable for that. But you cannot deny the talent this guy brings. He is a good... He's a great boxer. He literally gets it in the ring. He knows what the fuck he's doing. Like, and Logan Paul just... He does not disappoint. He does not disappoint. But there's two things I want to mention. Number one, there's two things I want to mention from this match. One, you had Santos Escobar stopping some jabroni from handing Logan Paul the brass knuckles. Okay? Now, he chases the guy away. Santos Escobar inadvertently leaves the brass knucks in the ring while the ref is distracted. Now... Did he do this on purpose? Did he do this intentionally? Is there a reason for why he did it? We're about to see him leave um, LWO pretty soon. I don't know. But um, 
Um, Rey Mysterio, he hits the 619. Logan Paul catches a flying Rey Mysterio with the brass knucks. And Logan Paul wins his first title in WWE. He wins the United States Championship. My takeaway from this is I do not want Logan Paul to be an absentee champion. We already have it with Roman Reigns. He'll just show up whenever the fuck he wants. Because it just makes the title completely meaningless. If your main champ is not going to show up. Now, I hope, and this is just me, I hope to God that WWE has some concrete plans with Logan Paul as the United States Champion. Now, do I see this as a bad move on WWE's part? The answer is no. It's business. They know Logan Paul is a big name on the social media world. You know he's going to bring that U.S. title with him if he's going to record his podcast. You know for a fact that the guy can do, do it all. But I just hope that he is featured on television and not be a guy who just sporadically shows up. That's what I don't want. You teased something with him and Kevin Owens. So if I was WWE, I would tap onto that for Survivor Series. And then January, I don't know if you got any plans for him for the Royal Rumble. I don't know if you got plans for him in December. Because there's no pay-per-views on the main roster on December. So I don't know what they're going to do. But I just hope they um, utilize Logan Paul. Now, he's going to hold on to that title all the way towards WrestleMania. And I think the plan what they're going to do is they're going to have him drop the title to LA Knight. I think that's the plan that they're going to do uh, for the U.S. title. But anyway, Logan Paul, he's your new United States champion. I don't have an issue with this. Now, I know some people might have an issue with it. I don't. I could see Rey Mysterio getting a rematch, even though I don't like rematches, unless there's like a trilogy and it's done right. So that's what I would say about it. But good match, not much I can say about it. You had EO Sky defending her WWE Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. Match was solid, but their match, I take the match they had at Backlash over this match. Like, honestly, the match they had at Backlash was better than the match they had here in Crown Jewel. Now, there was one interference in the last match. We had two interference. We had one in this match. And you see where I'm going with this? So we had Bailey who was constantly interfering. And what I liked about this, well, not yet, not yet. But there was another name who came back. And I wish the crowd in Saudi Arabia would give this woman a better reception. Which I thought this was a misfire on WWE. But I was really happy to see the pirate princess Kyrie Sane make her return to WWE. And from what I heard, them getting Kyrie Sane was a top priority this year. And you could see how much value this woman brings. So she 
attacks Bianca with the spinning back fist. I do not want to get hit by a spinning back fist by either Io or Asuka or Kairi Sane or any of the Joshis because I know it is deadly. Um, But Kairi came back. She hit the spinning back fist, hits the flying elbow. Bianca slides to the ring. Io hits the over-the-top moonsault to retain, which was the right decision because... It's too early for Bianca Belair. It's too early for Bianca. Now, after the match, Kyrie Sane hits the prettiest, one of the most beautiful elbow drops in all of pro wrestling. I do not care what anybody says. The insane elbow is one of the best elbow drops in pro wrestling. Kyrie has the best elbow drop. In pro wrestling. What I loved about this. Was Bailey's reaction. Because if you think about it. You go back. And I mentioned this. I mentioned this. If Kyrie came back. If Kyrie came back. There's a history. With Bailey and Kyrie. And Michael Cole. Acknowledged it on commentary. Because if you go back in 2020. This was when Sasha Banks and Asuka was competing for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, Bailey attacked Kyrie Sane backstage, and you could hear Kyrie screaming for Asuka. And Asuka, she's like, What do I do? Do I help my friend or do I keep my title? And she made the con- conscious decision, as any Libra would do, to save her best friend. And, and Sasha won the title. They had double, it was literally, both of them were double champions. That was the plan. That was what they did. And um, all I can say about that is, this leads to possibly the end of damage control. This could be the end of damage control. Now, I also heard rumors flying that we may see a stable with Asuka, Kyrie, EO, and a new mem possibly a new member. Who could it be? I don't know. But other than that, I'm happy to see Kyrie saying back. Like you do not understand how much. Like you do not understand how much Kyrie coming back and you got a story with EO. And and Bailey, because it's going to lead to jealousy. It's going to lead to dissension. At this point, the big feud right here should be Bailey and Io. And then you set up the stable with with her and Asuka and Kyrie and a fourth participant, fourth new member, which we will talk about because WWE is interested in this person, which you guys heard me mention her name, Julia. But I want to save that when we talk WWE. But like I said, this was a solid match. But if you wanted to see a, an excellent Bianca and EO match, look at their match at Backlash. Their match at Backlash was fucking excellent. That's the best way I could describe it. You have Cody Rhodes taking on Damian Priest. Good match. I thought this was good. But you had interferences again. This is the third match in a row. You had interferences back to back to back. 
And to the surprise of nobody, Cody Rhodes, he got the win over Damian Priest. I mean, there's really not much I can say about this match. I mean, it was it was your typical, how would I put it? Your typical Raw match. Your typical Monday Night Raw match. And then we had the main event. We had the Universal Championship on the line as Roman Reigns defended his title against L.A. Knight. Now, stop what you're doing and tell me if you've heard this song and dance before. Who, 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 who retained the title? If you guess Roman Reigns, you are correct. Did, was there interferences in this match? If you said yes, you are correct. If you knew LA Knight was not going to win the Universal title, you are correct. Now, Roman, 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 Roman. Let, let me be real when I say this. And I forgot to mention this over uh, Solo Sokoa. Now, Solo Sokoa, because I, I, I forgot to mention this. Solo joins Renee Dupree. Jesus, Sheamus, Wade Barrett, John Laurinaitis, and Kevin Owens as stars who had their first singles premium live event against John Cena. So, like, let's, let me just rewind it and look back. 2004 was Jesus and Renee Dupree. 2009 was Sheamus. 2010 was Wade Barrett. 2012 was John Laurinaitis. 2015 was Kevin Owens, and now this year was Solo Sokoa. So that's a nice, interesting stat. And not only that, not only that, Rey Mysterio made history in Crown Jewel, and they noted that, um, and again, this is from WWE Stats, they noted that um, he has not been a United States champion there has not been a U.S. championship reign to start and end outside of the United States. So, this is what they tweeted. Since the title lineage began in 1975, no reign with the United States championship has both started and ended outside of the U.S. But it could happen this week. Rey Mysterio won the title in August, and he'll defend it against Logan Paul at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, which he lost the title. So... Just wanted to throw a little stat out there. Now, Roman Reigns. This year-long title run, like, I I'm, I'm done with it. I I'm literally, literally done with this title reign. I'm done with how the matches are formulaic. It's coming to a point where it's getting old. I like Roman Reigns. I really do. But it's time we do something different. Like, it it's just... I am so done with how his matches have been. Like, it's getting to the point where it's just getting old. And I don't like that. That is one thing I do not like to say. I don't like the fact that it's going to be old. Alright? That's just me. But anyway. But overall, it was a solid... Premium live event, but just one of the weakest. And now we can focus on Survivor Series War Games. Which I'm really excited about because you know I'm a sucker for War Games. And that's just how I see it. But solid effort by everybody. 
Now let's talk about AEW. Now, next week, we got a street fight between the Don Callis family and you have Kenny, Chris Jericho, Kota Ibushi, and Paul White. Now, there's a sponsorship match. If you saw it on Dynamite uh, this week, you noticed that they were promoting that new Yakuza uh the Akaza game. Um, I forgot what the game... I forgot what it's called. And look, this is coming from somebody who does not play um, the Yakuza franchise. Um, Yakuza... I believe it's Yakuza Gaiden. Yep. Like a Dragon Gaiden. So... We know that match is going to take place. And Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, they reported that... The Sega sponsorship is planned for that match to to promote it, which they filmed this this video vignette hyping the street fight next week and showing gameplay from Yakuza Like a Dragon or Yakuza Gaiden. Um, all I could say about this was, I mean, I hope, I hope to God that. Like, when they did that Texas Chainsaw thing, that was not good. Hopefully, they don't do something cheesy or some shit like that because I will lose my sanity if that happens. <laughs> I will lose my sanity if that happens. Believe me. Trust me. You guys do not want to see my sanity being lost. But, um... Well, that's a good sponsorship. Hopefully, they do it right. And I know Kenny Omega is like, a big fan of the Yakuza franchise, so... I could tell you he's happy about that. Now, let's talk about Adam Copeland, Edge. He recently appeared on The Drop on NHL and ESPN to discuss a wide range of topics uh, from the sports to his arrival in AEW to his praise to MJF. So, I want to focus on that. Like, this is what he had to say about MJF, and I like this. He praised, like, he put this guy over to the moon. He says his confidence, you can do so much with confidence. You can make people believe with confidence. You can make people feel with confidence. Whatever feeling it is that you want to pull out of people, more than anything, that to me is the key with him. He has supreme confidence with the microphone and he looks confident in the ring. And confidence translates. It really does. When you could tell someone is having fun doing what they're doing, whether it's poking the bear or whether it's everybody's scumbag, whatever that is to me, it starts with confidence. That's with any performer. Max has confidence, and that's honestly the first step that can take ages uh, for people that can never happen for some people. I don't think I fully felt comfortable until about 2005. That is where I really started feeling my groove and my confidence and really came together. That's when I started main eventing. And that's some nice praise from... Uh, from the Hall of Famer, like putting, like I said, he put over MJF, and I like that. I think this this is a really good thing, a really really good thing to hear from 
from possibly one of the best. And if you're MJF, you'll probably be happy to hear from from the rated R superstar himself. Like, and I like that about um about Max. He he's just so good. Like he is so freaking good. I, I like that. I thought this was nice. Now, you know, Collision is always on a Saturday. Next week, I don't think they're going to air this episode on the same week as a pay-per-view event. I mean, it's no surprise to everybody right there. Now, AEW has recently made changes to its touring schedule for Collision and will have to do so yet again. Now, this week, AEW is taping a Saturday's Collision show on Friday night while also airing the live episode of Rampage on Friday night in Oakland. Now, next week, the promotion plans to air live episodes of Rampage and Collision next Friday from Los Angeles, California, due to full gear taking place on the following night on November 18th. Now, AEW presents its World Ends pay-per-view on Saturday, December 30th, at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Long Island, New York. Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men Podcast noted on Twitter that he had heard AEW won't be airing Collision the week of the World Ends pay-per-view, which AEW has yet to confirm. So this is what he said. As of today, I'm hearing AEW won't be airing Collision the week of the World End pay-per-view. So... I mean, it makes sense because you, I wouldn't be doing pay-per-views on, like, I wouldn't be doing Collision on Saturday when you have a pay-per-view that's coming up on a Saturday. So, I mean, it's okay to have Collision that takes a backseat. I mean, that that's what I would do. But I think it makes the most sense. And I don't know if we might have a, a Collision for... On the on the full gear pay per view, which honestly doesn't make sense, they might just put that on Sunday for all I care. <laughs> but anyway, moving on, let's talk about Jr. Jim Ross is taking some time away from AEW, and he revealed it on his podcast. And he says, "I'm going to take some time off starting this week. I'm not going to be at Collision this week. My doctors believe that if I take a couple or a few weeks off, I'm not sure how many." We'll see. It's good. It's got to heal. That being off the airplane for a few weeks would be good for my leg to heal. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a few weeks off. Every Tuesday I go to the doctor uh, and he scrapes the wound. He gets rid of the dead tissues, which is not a fun thing. Ugh. And they do it with a scalpel. And they just slice it. Oh my God. I could just feel the, I feel that. Oh my goodness. Slice off all the bad stuff. So that's what I do on Tuesday. If we get down to where we're slicing off less than we're leaving, we win. So it's really that simple. So I'm not going to be on TV for a while until I can navigate the waters a little bit. I love what I'm doing. I'm, we, have a unique roster. There's so many guys that we need to help as much as possible to get over. But that goes for any TV wrestling TV show. That's their objective. You have one goal when you're on television. 
doing pro wrestling. Get the talent over. Simple as that. End of story. I love doing that. I love that role. I love helping these young kids who ask questions. Did you watch my match? Would you watch my match? What do you think about this? How is this for a transition spot? What do you think of the finish? Blah, blah, blah. So I want to take some time off to get my leg to heal. Folks have been following me. God dang. I've been suffering with this shit for almost two years. How much good barbecue can a country boy eat? So somewhere along the way, I got to turn the corner and get better. I'm not in a great deal of pain except when I get to the city I'm flying to. My leg swells up like a cantaloupe and it hurts like hell. So I want to try not to travel to see how that affects me and go from there. So I'll be missing a couple of weeks. I'll keep everybody posted here. You'll find you'll find out first right here. I appreciate everybody's concern. And and that's important. Like I I want I want Jim Ross to focus on his health. And just to hear that they just how they get rid of the dead tissues in his leg. They use a scalpel and slice it off. Ugh. That is painful, man. That is so fucking painful. But I hope uh, he heals up. And I hope he takes all the time that he needs. And um, all I could say is... All I could say is um, just... I hope, I hope he heals. I hope he's healing. I hope he's doing well. And um, your health comes first. That's the most important thing. That is the most important thing. Your health comes first. Now, AEW Dynamite took place at the Moda Center in Portland, Oregon. And this was a better show than last week. This was a better show than last week, which, I mean, it's still have some logic gaps, but um, still a better show. Now, the show starts with MJF speaking to Tony Schiavone backstage, and he reflects on last week's defeat now Adam Cole speaks to him via television tells MJF you got to take Samoa Joe's offer however he says he will handle Bullet Club Gold after he handles Daniel Garcia and Daniel Garcia and 2.0 appear and MJF reveals he accepted the match tonight because he sees himself in Daniel Garcia and he wants to know if he was he's going to get the sports entertainer or a professional wrestler. Now, this brings out Roderick Strong, who then appears and Strong offers some tips as he is a wrestling legend. MJF agrees that you, were, you was a legend, but you turn into a joke, which, sad but true. Now, Strong then says, it's time to remind everybody who the hell he is. And we have our first match for the AEW world title. Daniel Garcia versus um, MJF. Now, out of all the... Like, I don't know what it is with Daniel Garcia. I like Daniel Garcia, but I, I just got a question. What did he do to earn a title shot? Like, you see where I'm going with this? Like, you see where I'm going with this? Like, I'm just throwing that out there. But the match itself, I thought was really good. I thought this was a really, really good match. With MJF retaining by using the salt of the earth armbar and 
Daniel Garcia tapped out. Now, MJF is trying to shake Garcia's hand, but Magic and Parker pull Garcia away. So, again, tease more dissension with uh, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, which I don't mind. We had Sting and Darby Allin. They took on the outrunners. I mean, it was just standard squash mat. Well, they did have some offense. The outsider, the outrunners did have some uh, offense, but um, this was a way to build Sting and Darby Allin up for their match at full gear when they teamed with Adam Copeland to take on Christian Cage, Nick Wayne, and Luchasaurus. That's all it was built for. So, I mean, and I don't have a problem with it. I don't. Like, I thought they did a decent job. We had Tony Schiavone, who was backstage, who was interviewing Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm. And honestly, Tony Storm is one of the best things in all of AEW right now. She's one of the most intriguing part of, parts about the women's division. Now, Storm confirms that she requested a title match, and Shida asks what happened, as she's just focusing on silly acting. Now, Storm blames Shida for it due to Wembley Stadium, and she wanted to be the first three-time AEW Women's Champion, but Sheeta happened again, so she became the history. Sheeta says what will happen at Full Gear is what always happens, and she will retain it. So they signed the contract, and Tony Storm wanted to use the shoe, but Sheeta knocks it out. I, I thought this was funny. I thought this was funny. But I think this should be a good match between Sheeta and Tony Storm. If, if I was booking this, I would put the title on Tony Storm. Make it even more intriguing. But you're literally hot potatoing the AEW Women's Championship. And that's something that's going to be a problem if that happens. But I definitely see Tony went walking out with the title. We had Swerve Strickland taking on Penta El Cierro Miedo. Now... They said Hangman Page was barred from ringside for this match. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. You had Prince Nana and Swerve Strickland breaking into Hangman Page's home, yet they don't get uh, a repercussion. They don't get ramification or anything. Like they just get a slap. They don't get like a slap on the wrist or some shit like that. Like I'm I'm just saying, where, where is where is this at? Like. I want to know why they're not doing, like, they're not doing, um, like, why is Swerve just getting away scot-free free from breaking into somebody's house, you know? <laughs> but the match he had with Penta was excellent. I thought this was the best match on the entire show. Innovative offenses with both of these guys. Like, Swerve, I say it every time, he... I'm really glad that they're featuring him because Swerve is so great and it's criminal. And I'm going to continue to say this. And this was during the Vince McMahon time. It was criminal that they didn't, they called them up. They wanted to make top dollar the leader. And once they got rid of B-Fab, they just said, you know what? We don't have nothing for the other guys. So let's just release Hit Row. So there's, there it is right there. And it's their loss. Because Swerve, he's doing the best work of his career. He got the win with the Swerve Stomp by uh, beating Pen on Penta to win. Now, after the match, Hangman Page appears and attacks Swerve Strickland with the chair. 
but he starts attacking the security with it as well. So he hits the dead eye off the entranceway and onto the table right on the floor. And he pretty much tells him that you're a dead man. So we got Swerve and so we know we got Swerve and Hangman too. So I don't know if Hangman's going to win. And then we get the trilogy where there's a stipulation. There should have been a stipulation in this match, but I mean, that's just me asking for much. They're probably saving this for the third one for World's End. I don't know. And Swerve gets the win. And they push him for 2024. We'll see. Now we go backstage. Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. They're with Renee Paquette. They they brag about having Paul White by their side. And the Young Bucks appear. And they say they set up a... They set up in a broom cupboard because there's no room in their locker room. Now with Jericho. They point out that they started of AEW, but Jericho claims it was four of them that started the company. Yet Matt Jackson said, you waltz in and chase a check. Now Jericho says Jericho and Omega are the two of the greatest, and he thinks they can beat the Young Bucks. And this leads to the Jacksons setting up the match between them at full gear. Now Jericho adds if they win, their guaranteed AEW World Tag Team Championship shot is going to go to him and Omega. But if the Jacksons, if the Young Bucks win, the Golden Jets are no more. And Omega says, look, I don't want to wrestle them. I don't want to wrestle you guys, but... I've done it before, and I've beaten you guys. Case in point, when he teamed with Hangman Page against the Young Bucks at AEW Revolution, which was an excellent, excellent tag team match. And um, all I could say is, all I could say is, um, this should be really good. But I did like how they set it up with some stakes. So, we'll see where that lands. We had the Ring of Honor World Television title on the line. Keith Lee versus Samoa Joe. Um, I thought this was pretty good. I thought this was a pretty good match. With uh, Samoa Joe retaining over Keith Lee. I thought this was good. Now, the post-match. This is where I'm like, what? Now, Joe says he is the greatest Ring of Honor Television champion of all time. However, I didn't come here just to be that. And I'm hungry. And as of tonight, he officially vacates the title because the next goal that will be on his shoulders will be the AEW World Championship, whether MJF likes it or not. Now, I'm looking at this and I'm just saying to myself, um... All I could say for me personally, what? Now, I, I don't know if they have final battle coming up in December. You could have taken the title off of uh, Samoa Joe right there. But I get why they did this. I get why they did this because they want to protect Roman Reigns. They want to protect Roman Reigns and... I understand that 100%. I understand why. Because it's... Like, 
is just how would I put this? Like they want him to be protected. They don't want him to lose the television title. It's it, it just I don't even know what they're going to do with the Ring of Honor television title at this point. They're probably going to do like a fucking tournament or some shit like that. Like, that's that's probably what I see them doing. They're probably going to do uh, the Ring of Honor television title tournament. And that's what I... Because you know Tony Khan loves tournaments to crown a new television champion. The question is, who is it going to be? And look... I don't keep up with Ring of Honor that often. I, and I never will. Like, and it's sad to say that. Like, I, I want... Like, I, I don't know what I could say about it. It's just, eh. Just, eh. But, um... We'll see where this goes. But other than that... Him as the AEW World Champion, I definitely see Samoa Joe holding AEW World Heavyweight Championship gold. I think that's a nice ring to it. But uh, other than that, I don't know what, what this does. Like, you could have just had Keith Lee beat him for the title or some something like that. But I get it. I get it. I'm not upset about it. They did this to protect um, Samoa Joe. It's just... I, I just did not like that decision. I don't know why. We had Orange Cassidy, who was backstage with Hook... And he said that John Moxley is the only person I thought about since he left since he left him in his own pool of blood. He picked up the pieces of the international championship that Moxley dropped, but now holding it doesn't feel the same as he has to beat Moxley for the championship. He knows he is. In full gear full gear he will. At full gear he he will. Now later during the show, John Moxley was backstage and he was with Wheel of Yuta. And he says, people have called him and told him to let Orange Cassidy off the hook. But he knew that Cassidy knew what he was doing. It's not about the belt. It's the laws of the jungle. What example is he setting if he doesn't beat the ever-living piss out of Cassidy? He says, the minutes they land in LAX, it is on. Gang warfare. So, I mean, I like I like these uh, promos they cut with uh, to hype their international championship match. I think out of all the matches, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. This is literally the one I'm looking forward to the most. So, I, I, I can't wait to see what they do. Rewinding the guns, they squash the Bollywood boys less than seconds. Poor Bollywood boys come in only to get squashed in less than a second. So, after the match, they get on the microphone. They say, MJF is a liar. He isn't a generational talent. He's been telling sob stories, but unlike him, they've never been told no as they made for television. They're about to be the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions because they are generational talents. They point out MJF's only friends are the people on the other side of the guardrail. And he hopes MJF picks one of the fat pieces of shit to be his partner. So, I mean, this was, I mean, this was to give momentum to the guns heading into their match at full gear. That's what, that's pretty much what they did. And it only lasted a second. This was another filler. Uh, we had, 
And also, if you saw, MJF was watching it and Samoa Joe saw it. So clearly, we know where the direction is going to go. Um, We had Julia Hart taking on the returning Red Velvet. And I was happy to see Red Velvet back. Now, the match itself, I thought it was okay with uh, Julia Hart getting the win. Um, and all I could say is it, it was a good match. It was okay for what it was. Um, after the match, Hart continues attacking Velvet until Sky Blue makes the save. And, and they stare at each other. Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale also make their way into the ring. I don't know where this is going to, this is going to lead to, but, uh, I mean, it's just, it is what it is to say the least. It is what it is, but we had RJ city backstage with the newest addition to the women's division of AEW Maria may. Um, she wrestled all over the world. She's excited to be in the AEW women's division and she's a big fan of City's work with Tony Storm, which, if that leads to what I think it is, oh my God. I'm going to enjoy every second of it. I'm going to enjoy every, every second of this. Maria May, and if Maria May helps Tony Storm win the title, oh my God. I would be on board with that. I would be okay with it. But hopefully they don't treat her as another person on the roster. And she gets pushed to the side because people say Maria May is really good. And this is a good signing for AEW. It's up to them to make work of Maria May. That's all I want to see. I hope we get to see how good she is in the ring. Um, In the main event, we had Jay White taking on Mark Briscoe. I thought this was a good match. Good main event with uh Jay White getting the win. After the match, MJF comes from behind, takes out Bullet Club Gold with the Dynamite Diamond Ring. He faces off with White, and he sprints. And as he sprints, um, Jay White rolls out of the out of the ring with his tie with MJF's title. And MJF says he hopes White has fun playing dress up, because playtime's almost over. As you have to get in the ring with a generational talent and the real world champion. He promised himself that he'd go down as the greatest AEW world champion and White will have to kill him to beat him as he's not fighting for himself anymore. He's fighting for those who have been in this journey with him. He's fighting for Adam Cole He's as he's their scumbag. And I love this ending bar right here. He questions if White will be the first man to pull the trigger at full gear. And then all of a sudden... The Tony Khan special, the lights go out. And when the lights go out, the walls come down. We sound just like animals. And yes, I just said the lyrics from uh, Lights Lights Go Out by Fozzie. So the lights go out. We see masked men attacking the acclaim. Anthony Bowens get thrown through the glass uh, wall. And the clip cuts out and you see the devil, which pretty much... We all know it's not MJF. Some people were saying it's Kyle O'Reilly. Now, I think I know who it could be under that mask. And I think his suspension should be up. And I feel like it's Jack Perry. 
I think that's Jack Perry under the devil's mask. So it's more than likely we might see him return at full gear. So MJF, he sees this. He sprints to the back to check on the acclaim. And Samoa Joe appears and says, you're running out of friends. So we know where this is going to lead to. It's going to lead to Samoa Joe being his partner. And boom, he wants something in return. That's what I see. But other than that, I thought this was a good episode. I thought this was better than um, last week's episode because last week was boring. So hopefully this week... So thankfully this week should be better. Now let's move on. Let's talk um, TNA. There's going to be major changes coming to the TNA brand. Scott Demore was interviewed by Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated... And he's looking forward to 2024, and he plan and he talked about the changes that he's planning to make to the product. Now he vowed TNA will be the hardest working company in pro wrestling, and doing what they do best by taking chances, giving a stage to the wrestlers to do just that, and evolving the business. So he mentions we know we're good at what we do. And we're going to be a game changer and a force in 2024. So stay tuned. Now he touted that there's been upgrades to the look of the production. And inspiring new generation of TNA was an agent for change at smaller venues. As he thrived, as wrestlers thrived in the X division. He thinks TNA has a place in wrestling. And it fits into the landscape in 2024. He says, you will see some changes to our shows. The pacing is going to be quicker. There will be a shake-up talent-wise. You are going to see us disrupt and change wrestling. We're going to push the limits like we did with the Ultimate X and King of the Mountain. That might mean every once in a while where sometimes fall, we sometimes fall on our face in a reverse battle royal, but hopefully not too often. We owe, we owe it to take... Owe it to our fans to take chances. So I'm looking forward to these major changes. And hopefully they get a better ring. <laughs> Even though it is going to be the four-sided, not the six-sided rings. It's, I just want the ring sound to sound a little bit better. That's all. But uh, hopefully I'm looking forward to these upgrades. Now, do you want to know a way on how to cancel your deal with a... To cancel your TV deal, look at NWA. Now there was some buzz surrounding Billy Corgan's NWA's last NWA last week after it was reported they landed two deals to air programming. However, the CW network, uh, uh, however, the deal appears to be in jeopardy after a controversial spot at the NWA Samhain pay-per-view that aired last weekend. Now, Halls of Wrestling, they're reporting that there was a cocaine spot with Jim Mitchell that upset a lot of people at the CW, and now and there is now an active push by those in the higher-up at the CW for NWA programming to only air on the CW app instead of their linear TV channel. If this happens, then it would be a dev- it would be devastating for the promotion and it could cause them to have less visibility than they do now on their YouTube channel. 
Now, the controversial spot showed Jim Mitchell sitting at a table with women around him who were drinking alcohol. And during the segment, it was made to look like Mitchell was snorting cocaine off of a table before passing it around to everyone around him. The CW was reportedly flooded with social media comments after the segment. And now there was a 90% chance that the planned NWA reality show and power will be moved to the app. Furthermore, Hustle Wrestling reports that the reality show was fully paid by Corgan, not the CW, and Corgan was optimistic about the exposure from being on the CW, helping the company sell tickets to their show, along with improved merchandise sales. There was also hope that the first season of the reality show did well. They could gen... Guarantee they could get guaranteed money for season two. Now they add the big selling point to the CW was the reality series that would include Billy Corgan's wedding. The pro wrestling aspect of the series would be included as part of the series as long as there was an understanding that Corgan's wedding would be included. Clearly, if the NWA's programming is moved to the app, it would be a big blow to the company, to the company's plan. Now, I agree with Eric Bischoff on one thing. The cocaine spot was stupid. So this is what he said. It's weird, isn't it, how wrestling still has has still to this day, despite how mainstream, how large it's become, how powerful it's become, still finds residents in a weird spot in television where certain things are just off limits. If we're going to watch a scripted series, I don't know how many times... How many of them I've watched where you see somebody doing cocaine or shooting heroin or doing whatever within the context of a scripted presentation, but yet, when wrestling steps outside of the bounds, I don't know where the boundaries are. I don't think anybody else, I don't think anybody else does either. There's no definite right or wrong. It's a matter of taste and judgment. At a particular point in time. But in a particular case. You got people doing cocaine on camera. It's not real cocaine. We all know that. But if you're using cocaine to advance a character or storylines. You got people throwing flags. I think a lot has to do with. The reason why beer companies are still hesitant to this day. To advertise in wrestling. Because they're still either a real or precise component of the audience too large of a component of an audience that are children. That's where I think the gray area is. Some television executives recognize it for what it is. Some of them are still like, oh, we don't want to be associated with that. They're fearful of that. Like, and and I'm just going to add on, the spot was so stupid. I want to add that it was actually greenlitted by Billy Corgan himself. Like, if you knew this was going to... Like, I get it. Controversy creates cash, but that does damage to your relationship with the CW. And speaking of which, I might as well talk about this right now because this was the big story that happened on WWE side. NXT found their home because the CW is now having NXT. Now, this was first reported by PW Insider 
and multiple sources in the broadcast industry have confirmed that the CW will be the new home for NXT starting in October, but I'm hearing it's September, but I feel like it's going to start in October. WWE and the CW have reportedly been in deep discussions for weeks. And the belief is the new deal is very close to being completed. Also, it is believed that the deal will be for five years. The deal with the CW will be the biggest rights increase ever for the NXT brand. This is the main reason why there have been so many there have been featuring so many main roster talents like Dominic, Paul, Becky, Rhea, Asuka, and and they went head to head on against Dynamite. So the CW will become the home exclusive broadcast home to NXT. NXT makes broadcast television debut with a 5-year deal Beginning in October, um, the network to air live events featuring WWE's next generation of superstars 52 weeks a year. The CW will become the official broadcast home to NXT in October. This is um, the five-year agreement marks the first time in its 13-year history that NXT, which showcases WWE's hottest up-and-coming superstars, will air on a broadcast television network. NXT will debut on the CW in October of 2024 and air 52 live weekly events throughout the season. Uh, We are thrilled to welcome the WWE brand into the CW portfolio to play an integral part, integral part of our mission to bring live sporting events to the network year-round said Dennis Miller, the president of the CW Network. NXT is the perfect fit for the CW thanks to his dynamic young talent featuring the hottest rising stars in the sports and exhilarating, unpredictable weekly events. The passion and engagement of the WWE fan base is unmatched and we are eager to grow that audience as NXT's new home on the broadcast television. Now... And, like, literally, right here. Like, this is their new home now. And with all that, it seems like there's going to be a growing frustration with uh, Billy Corgan's leadership. Now, Haas of Wrestling, they reported that Corgan withdrew from those close to him following the news. A WWE source told them, that the impression that talks of the network accelerated following the incident as fans had bombarded the CW with outrage over the angle. It was reported that the spot upset people at the CW and there is now an active push by those higher up by the CW for NWA programming to only air on the CW app rather than television. Now this is what they said. The WWE... Source said, no segment ever done in wrestling has had a set has had that severe of consequences to the promotion than the, the Sam Hine Coke spot. Now, the report also stated that NWA wrestlers expressed frustrations with Corgan's current leadership as in the past. Dave Lagana 
and Pat Kenny were the names that Corgan leaned on to help with the creative process and communication with talent. Lagana is no longer with NWA while Kenny moved more into the talent relations role and is viewed as second in charge next to uh, Billy Corgan. So he says this, The report noted, One source described him as Johnny Ace of NWA as someone you can you only talk to if you are in trouble or getting signed. Billy is in charge of the contract offers and creative. Due to Corgan's busy schedule touring with the Smashing Pumpkins, some feel he is unavailable to relay his creative ideas between shows. Multiple people noted that they didn't know what they were doing at the TV event until they, the day of the show. It's not close to, a, to an hour before filming. Once Source understands Corgan has a lot on his plate, they are hopeful that he puts a team of creative people around him to fil filter his ideas. So, the report noted House of Wrestling has also heard that Corgan get, given various talents tests to see how they react to prove their loyalty, which has not been well received. Examples of tests were things like making over talent, talents who come in to work lose right away just to see how they react, or for Corgan to be overly critical of a talent who has done nothing wrong to see how they take it. Stuff like this makes makes it why NWA's in the shits right now. Not only losing your TV deal to NXT, because it seems like they wanted NXT more than um, NWA. Had you not do that cocaine spot, I guarantee you would have had the TV deal. It just, you just made yourself look incredibly stupid. You know? And that's something I don't want out of a wrestling promotion. It ju you just made yourself look incredibly dumb. And all I could say, and I I'm just going to close it out right here um, for, the, for this part. WWE, like, NWA, what, what happened to it? Like, seriously, what happened to NWA? NWA used to be a show that I would love to watch on YouTube. Now it's just, eh. That's that's what happened to NWA. It's just, eh. I, I really got nothing to say. They have nobody to blame but themselves. Billy Corgan has nobody to blame but himself for greenlitting that segment. If you knew it was going to backfire, if you're under a TV deal negotiation with a would like the CW, maybe your conscience would say, let's not air it so we could get the TV deal. Now you got to move it. Now it's going to be moved to the CW app, which is going to give you less uh, exposure. So you got nobody to blame but yourself for that. Should have never made that decision to air that. So an update on Alex Hammerstone. Um, apparently he has not been... Granted his release, he did release a twit Twitter video. Just I'm just gonna run it briefly. Um, he says, it, "Has MLW released me? Are they going to release me? What my future in wrestling looks like?" And the update is, I'm not really sure at this point. He's not gonna bash the company. It's not to talk negatively about them. It's just he just hasn't uh, been released. 
The whole situation kind of broke to the news, the dirt sheets just recently, but it's actually been ongoing for a couple of months. So the unfortunately, the people in the office that I have been relegated to speaking with was that they were actually working towards a release. However, that was several weeks ago. And then when they broke the story to the Dershies, they told them that they actually had no intention of releasing me. So he doesn't know if that's miscommunication on all of that. So as of right now, Alex Hammerstone, he hasn't been released. And uh, all I could say is they just got to let him go, man. If, if, if you don't want to... I don't know if they're letting his contract run out. I don't know if that's what they're trying to do. But if he wants out, just let him out. Let him out. That's all I can say about it. Just let him out. Hey, you. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way to see me in action playing different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others. What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream, and uh, all I can say is you can, you're going to see greatness in me and gaming, because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them, see how their lives are, how their lives are going. And you get to watch everything that I do for fun. I got, it's been four years since I got back into streaming, you know? Like, I was, the last game I streamed was uh, Overwatch. But if you or your friends like video games as much as I do, and you want to see me play it on Twitch, which I stream every Saturday, make sure you follow me on Twitch. At Shino Phoenix. Just Shino Phoenix. And you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer. If you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself, make sure you make an account. And you get to do great things as well. So, again, make sure you follow me. Twitch.tv slash Shino Phoenix. Once again, follow me, Shino Phoenix. And now... Back to our daily show. Now let's talk about Will Ospreay. Now we all know next year is going to be a must decision for Will Ospreay. Will he stay in New Japan? Will he go to Impact? Will he go to AEW? Or will he go to WWE? Now... He has to make a big decision in early 2024. Now, on Saturday, I did hear that Osprey and Shota Umino had an excellent match for the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. I got to take a look at that match because I heard this is another match of the year caliber um, contender. Will Osprey, I think he's probably going to be wrestler of the year for me. Cause like he he's just so good at what he what he does. I think number two would be Gunther. But we'll see. 
Now, he retained the IWGP uh, U.S. heavyweight title where, you, where John Moxley appeared at ringside to support Umino. In the end, Osprey went over before uh, Osprey and Moxley were both attacked by Bullet Club War Dogs, David Finley, and he destroyed the U.S. and the U.K. belt with a mallet, which apparently the IWGP U.S. title is retired and we're going to have a new title. I don't know. Now, Osprey stated in a backstage interview that he now wants a three-way between Moxley and Finley, either for the IWGP Intercontinental title. If they bring that back, then that's a win in my book. Likely at Wrestle Kingdom 18. While speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that for those who think it's a lock, Osprey will sign with AEW. That's not the case, as WWE is still in the running. So Melson said, and I quote, You have to realize they have to look out for, for their own business. Osprey is on the way out of New Japan, and he certainly teased WWE today because him and Seth Rollins tweeted back and forth. I would not say anything is definite with Osprey, but people who think that it's like a guarantee it's AEW, I know that they are. I just put it this way. WWE is absolutely in the picture. And I've said this before, but WWE is in the picture. AEW is in the picture. It's who's ever going to give them the best offer. And he's going to go for both sides. And Rollins is a big one on that side. AJ Styles would be the big one just because he's a big fan of AJ Styles. On the other side, there's still there are still kinds of matches, you know, like Brian Danielson and him would be in, would be just incredible. Whatever's going to happen, it's not going to happen until February the 1st. But I mean, he's going to possibly he's going to be possibly gone and if it's AEW, he'll have limited dates. Moxley is at best going to do a few dates a year. In New Japan. He's not a full-timer. And they need Finley up there too, you know. So. I would not be surprised. Like, it, I would be. Sh well, you know what? I would be shocked. If Osprey joins WWE. Because that would be their biggest signing of, of 2024. But he's not the only one that WWE is interested in. And this is coming from the New Japan Bushi Road Stardom stuff. Which we will get into in a second. But um, the way I see this, like, you got to look at, at it in the case. Like, Will Ospreay quote tweeted Seth Rollins when he retained the World Heavyweight Championship. And hell, he might even bypass NXT and just go straight to the main roster like AJ Styles did. Whether it's on Raw, whether it's on SmackDown... Like, I feel like if he want to wrestle AJ Styles, that would be a match that everybody will be talking about in WWE. If he were to wrestle Seth Rollins, that would be a big time match that everybody would be watching. And WWE knows that Will Ospreay is one of the best fucking wrestlers on the fucking planet. And I'm not saying this to be... And I'm saying this because... 
Look at his body of work. Look at his match with Mike Bailey. Look at his match with Kenny Omega. Look at his matches that he's been having. I have never seen a bad match with Will Ospreay. Okay? I've never seen a bad match with Will Ospreay. And I think if... Like, sure, AEW, he's been there before. Like, I still think he might land there. But at the same time, I just don't want him to just be another guy. It's like with any wrestling promotion. I don't want him to be another guy. Like, you could throw the CM Punk money to Will Ospreay for um, for AEW. He would be the biggest signing for AEW. Hell, Impact wants Will Ospreay. Look at his match... Which look at his match with Mike Bailey. You don't think Will Ospreay would be a great fit for Impact? But I definitely see WWE could be a landing spot. But I honestly think he might go to AEW. But we'll see. We will see. But if they're making Will Ospreay signing a top priority and we get the news next year that Will Ospreay signs with WWE, that's going to be the biggest shocker right there. Because look, Will Ospreay, he didn't even want to go to WWE. Like, he didn't want to go to WWE. Now, here we are now. The product is white hot. The product is white hot. And he wants a match with Seth Rollins. Like, how could you not say no to that? Like, how could you not say no to that? I think that would be fucking fantastic. I think that would be an excellent, excellent way to introduce Will Ospreay if you want him to bypass uh if you want him to bypass um NXT I think that would be a good move if you ask me so that's just how I see it in my honest opinion but other than that other than that I we'll, we'll see what um what where he lands and he's got a few he's got a few days left so gotta make the best out of it you know gotta make the best out of it so another day another CM Punk WWE rumor now there was denial about WWE having talks with CM Punk but yet there's another rumor making around about Punk's potential return to the company Now, this is coming from Boozer Wrestling's Twitter account, and they claim that CM Punk was scheduled for a meeting with the WWE board members that the feeling within WWE is that he's returning. Now, Sean Ross on Twitter noted that WWE sources are still denying that there are talks with CM Punk going around, going on, and fans should not expect them to see him at Survivor Series. Basically, WWE management does not want anyone to get their hopes up with the Punk rumors. Now, in wrestling, things can always change, but per WWE sources, there is nothing to the rumors. Punk's move can be anyone's guess. Like, TNA would want CM Punk. And the chances are are higher now with TNA looking to run a bigger venues next year. So, and I also saw that um, they put CM Punk in the alumni for for the 
WWE site, which honestly, it like another CM Punk rumor. He's not coming back to WWE, guys. Just get it out of your system. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. And most importantly, he's not coming back. All right? So just accept it for what it is. He's not coming back. All right? I don't know what I would do if he does come back. But I feel like this is going to lead to a Randy Orton return. I feel like Randy Orton is getting close to a return. What better way to make a return than for him to go to Survivor Series? That's what I see. Now, WWE, they were planning on re-signing Saray. Now, you guys may say, why would they re-sign Saray when they gave her a gimmick? Now, she left on good terms. She didn't leave on on bad terms. Now, Saray, she had a chance to return to the company, but decided against it. For those of you who don't know who Saray is, she was she's Sari right now, but now she's Saray. She joined the company back in February after finding success in Japan and departed in March of last year after deciding to leave after not being used on television for several months. She worked only 23 matches under the WWE banner. Despite having interest from WWE, she is signed with a new promotion, Sukiban, and will debut at their second event in the company history. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful noted that WWE had pursued her to make a return to the company. And this is what this is what he tweeted out. Well, the week after we found out WWE had pursued Sari, she signed a multi-year deal with Sukiban per the company. So this is good. This is good. I think she's going to do well. And I believe this is run by Bull Nakano, which is even better. So I like this. I think this is really, really good for uh, Saray. I think she's going to do well. I honestly believe she'll do well. Now, speaking of Joshi's, WWE has a massive interest in signing a current New Japan champion. Now, this was reported by PW Insider. They first reported that there's massive interest in international star Julia. Julia made her debut at Ice Ribbon's promotion in 2017 before going to stardom two years later. She found success including winning the World of Stardom Championship and the Wonder of Stardom Championship and the Goddess of Stardom Championship. Both Stardom and New Japan are owned by Bushiroad, which is why she's been able to work for both promotions as she won the New Japan Strong Women's Championship by defeating Willow Nightingale. The report notes that WWE is attempting to court the current New Japan Strong Women's Champion and signing with them. It was added by one source that talks are far enough are far enough long that Julia is expected at the Performance Center in November, sometimes in November. Now, will she sign with the companies? Now, here's the thing. She can't sign with the company until March. This is according to Meltzer. She can't sign until March. So 
I would not be surprised if she drops the New Japan Strong Women's title. She goes out of stardom. She goes to WWE. Because you know she... I feel like they, they want her there. And when I mentioned the stable, you got Julia, Asuka, Io, and Kyrie. Jesus Christ, think of the stable you could do with those two. My God. And I, I would love to see Julia... Like, I've seen her work. She is incredible. She is full of charisma. And you and she's just so great in the ring. I think she could bring a lot if she goes to WWE. You never know. And with this rumored stable, with Io, Asuka, Kyrie, and potentially Julia, that's going to make me intrigued even more. I think that would be perfect. But I think she's going to be doing some time in uh, NXT just to learn the WWE system or some shit like that. I think she's going to do well if she eventually goes there. So you got until March. And if if there's talk that she dropped the title and there's talks that she's working out a deal with WWE, I will let you guys know. But I'm actually excited for that. For once in my life, I'm genuinely excited for this. But uh, I can't wait to see what she does if she ever gets to WWE. Now, we have a home for NXT. We talked about it when we were discussing NWA. NXT found their home in CW. SmackDown found their home in the USA Network since they're not going to be on Fox anymore. But where does this leave Monday Night Raw? Well, according to Dave Meltzer, the rumor that's going around is that they're looking for either FX, WB, Warner Brothers, um, which would be very crazy, um, USA Network, and but the analyst believes that they're they're going to get 42% increase, which may not drop the stock because it's down lower than it probably should be. But it won't help them. But they will be more profitable. The UFC and WWE, they did their earnings call. Um, there was one part of the earnings call I do want to mention. Um, Vince, they have him at the risk section. So pretty much, I feel like they're just trying to get this guy out of here. They're trying to get this guy out of here because he's more of a liability than an asset to um, WWE. Now, if the rumor is true, I did hear, according to uh, Meltzer, the rumor is that Raw could be headed to FX. Like, you got FX for Raw, you got the CW for NXT, and you got... USA Network for SmackDown. So you got three homes for three different brands. And uh, if this is true, I don't know how to feel about it. But hopefully they don't disappoint. That's the best way I could say it. I hope they don't disappoint. But uh, other than that, there's really not much I can add to it. Not much I can add to it. Now... We know Jay Cargill is going to be wrestling at WWE when, at some point, we don't know. They made her look like a big deal. They made her look like a star. 
Now, she hasn't made her in-ring debut yet, which she recently addressed on social media. So she initially wrote on Twitter, Why wrestle when my big check clears every week, baby? And she later responded to a fan who noticed who noted that she's in the wrestling business when she wrote, No, it's the I'm making money business. Like, and literally, like, Jay Cargill, she's going to wrestle. It's just people are too impatient. I don't know. Like, they're giving it time. They just haven't figured out what brand she's going to be on. I heard she might be on Monday Night Raw. Like, I would have put her on NXT just to have her run with the NXT women's title. Pull the Kevin Owens, get called up early. And she would be a major, major star in the women's division. I'm telling you. I think she would be a major, major star. And uh, all I hope for is uh, that she is used prominently. That's all I hope for. And I think she's going to do well in WWE. Believe me. I just hope she... Like, I just hope they know what they're doing with her. Now, NXT, speaking of which, I did mention NXT. They're going to tape an upcoming episode, which will be on the uh, on the 21st, because Thanksgiving week, which is understandable. You want to spend time with your family. So, because Thanksgiving's on the 23rd. So, they will tape on the 21st. On the November 14th episode, which will air live, but it will be taped because Thanksgiving week. And we continue to build for uh, NXT Deadline, which I am looking forward to. And I think this should be a really good show. I think this should be really good. But spend time with family. Take that vacation until SmackDown. Um... Now we have a scheduled event for next year's WrestleMania week. This is what we got. On on Friday, April 5th, we got SmackDown. And we have the 2024 Hall of Fame induction. April 6th. Now there was talks for NXT Stand and Deliver. Um, And this was on the heels of the CW announcement. Uh, WrestleVotes, they tweeted that they were told... Discussions have taken place regarding NXT Stand and Deliver. And those discussions have been about the placement of the show. And sources states that there is support for the show to open the weekend to be held on Thursday. And they were told while it makes sense to some, it's not ideal for others. But we found out that NXT Stand and Deliver is going to be on uh on Saturday, April 6th. And of course you got WrestleMania 40. I hope it's a two-night event. So and April 8th is Monday Night Raw. So ticket sales, they are they will be live on uh on Wednesday, November 15th. So if you want the combo 
Now, I don't know what they're going to do for WrestleMania. I don't know if it, making it a one-night event, which would be a big mistake. Two-night events are better. So, probably we get... I know. We get NXT Stand and Deliver. I don't know if that's going to be in the afternoon. And then you get night one of WrestleMania for that same day on Saturday. And you get night two on Sunday. Okay, that's a win-win. I just had to clarify everything. There we go. We good. We good. Before we talk Monday Night Raw, I want to say congratulations to Corey Graves and Carmella. They have their first child together. And their son is born. And his name is Dimitri Paul Polinski. Born on my brother's birthday. So, Carmella noted that she had to endure six, a 60-hour labor. And this is what she wrote. Dimitri Paul Polinski. November 8, 2023, 8 pounds, 21 inches. Well worth the 60-hour labor. More on that later. So, congratulations to Corey Graves. Congratulations to Carmella. Their parents. Their parents. I'm so happy for them. And I, I look forward to their next chapter in uh, parenthood. Really, really happy for them. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw, which took place at the Mohegan Sun Arena and. At Cassie Palace in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. This was a the best way I could describe Monday Night Raw. I thought this was a strong, strong build for uh Survivor Series. It's starting off strong. But there was some pretty good wrestling in this match and uh on this show. Ex- excuse me, especially the main event. Um, but I, I enjoyed Monday Night Raw. I thought this was really good. And we kick off the show with Seth freaking Rollins. And he welcomes everybody to Monday Night Rollins. Ah Then introduces himself and adds that he is still the world heavyweight champion. He says, normally I would come out to the ring to talk about myself. But I want to talk about two other people tonight. He thanked Drew McIntyre for pushing him to his limits at Crown Jewel and gives credit to Judgment Day for not getting involved in their match with the exception of Damian Priest. Speaking of Damian Priest, I do want to mention this. Um, PW Insider actually reported there's been a ton of praise lately for Damian Priest as the word is that over the last several months, he's really impressed management by how hard and physical he worked for gutting through quite a few times, and he's been banged up, but he kept going. It was previously reported that Priest had been seen as a top-level, upper-echelon talent before he won the Money in the Bank briefcase. And he's continuing to get great reviews, which, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I would not be surprised if Damian Priest leaves Judgment Day, and he goes on his own path. I would not be surprised. Now, he calls out Sami Zayn in the ring. Out comes Sami. And Rollins tells Zayn that, look, I expected him to show up with the Money in the Bank briefcase. And he asks him if Adam Pearce forced him to return it to Priest, which Zayn said, I did. Pretty much confirms it. And Rollins says, given that he was in bad shape after the match, he might have not been able to fend him off. And he thanks Zane for what he did. And Zane says, 
he didn't do it for Rollins, but because of the fact that I've been at odds for months with the Judgment Day. He points out the ramification of Priest winning the World Heavyweight Championships and Judgment Day running the show. And Rollins says he's always admired that. He always admired that. That Zayn stands up for what he thinks is right. He says Judgment Day doesn't run Raw because he does. The Money in the Bank briefcase isn't the only way to get a title shot. And he informs Zayn that he got he got him just that. And all Zayn had to do was name the place and name the time. Zayn was caught off guard a little bit. And he says, I will be world champion, but only when Rollins is 100%. Now Rollins says that guys like them are never at 100%. But they still keep pushing and telling him, that there's a World Heavyweight Championship match with your name on it at any time of your choosing. And Zayn says there's no better time than tonight. And he offers his hand to Rollins. And I thought this was a good opening segment. I thought this was a good segment to set up their main event for the World Heavyweight Championship, which I already knew it was going to be great. But um, I enjoy this. Um, we go backstage, we see the Judgment Day, and Damian Priest walks in in rage after retrieving his Money in the Bank briefcase, and he takes note of J.D. McDonough wearing one of his shirts, and he tells Finn Balor, look, we'll make things right when we take on the New Day. And we had Judgment Day versus the New Day, which I thought was a good match. I thought this was a really good match with uh, Judgment Day going over, which made sense. And uh, other than that, I thought it, it did what it had to do. It did what it had to do. We had Shinsuke Nakamura taking on Akira Tozawa. If this was Dragon Gate Tozawa and New Japan Nakamura, this would have been an excellent match. Now, they're doing the story with Akira Tozawa trying to go after... The big guys, like the big name guys, like Nakamura. And Akira Tozawa, of course, he lost to Shinsuke Nakamura, but he did get some offense on Nakamura. It wasn't like a complete squash. And we had Otis stare down with Nakamura, and the story with Nakamura is, who's going to step up to me? Now, there's a name I could think of. There's Randy Orton, which would be great. But uh, we'll see where that goes. But Otis and Nakamura, that's going to be next week. Looking forward to that. We had a fatal four-way with The Miz, Bronson Reed, Ivar, and Ricochet to determine who faces Gunther at Survivor Series. I thought they had a good match. But the ending was botched. Now, I don't know if Ricochet was knocked loopy. I don't know if he had a concussion because right now... They're saying he's on concussion protocol. They're saying he's on the uh, concussion p- protocol because, I mean, the way I look at it, it it's just, um, he might have done something to knock himself out. But uh, he's so talented. So damn talented. 
There was a spot in the match where Miz had Bronson Reed pinned, Ivar pinned Ricochet, and originally, I feel like the plan, what they were trying to do is a double count out, like a double count, and then they do Ivar and the Miz um, next week, which we are getting the match next week, but Ricochet kicked out of Ivar's uh, moonsault, which he wasn't supposed to do, so he might have been knocked out. Might have been knocked loopy. So the Miz, no shit, uh, is the winner of this match. And after the match, Ivar attacks him and he hits the moonsault off the top rope. Now, Miz and Gunther, I think is going to be a good match. I'm not going to say it's a bad... I know people are going to shit on Miz, but look, I think Gunther and Miz could have a really good match. Because I have not seen a bad Gunther match at all. At this very moment. So, like, when it comes to that IC title, I think he's been putting on bangers. We had DIY taking on the Creed Brothers. Uh, This was a good match. And they protected DIY because Imperium still has some unfinished business with DIY. So... Creed Brothers, they they are officially a part of Monday Night Raw. And you look at the tag team division right now. You got the Creed Brothers. You got DIY. You got the Judgment Day. You got, um, let's see, you got the Street Profits. You got LWO. You got, like, you got, like, a solid tag team division. Now, hopefully, they don't separate the tag titles. I want it to be, like, a unified tag team And just have new titles to be presented. That's what I want. The tag team division has been... If you... How would I put this? If you didn't split up the tag team. It's just one set of tag teams. Then it's a good thing. It is a good thing. Adding the Creed brothers. That's a great addition. Because they've been long overdue for a call call up. And they are a part of Monday Night Raw. Which... Is no surprise. And their win streak continues. And it looks like they dropped the Diamond Mine name. I don't think they're going to be doing the Diamond Mine stuff anymore. But, and I and I was talking to my brother about this. If you have Julius Creed and Chad Gable for the Intercontinental Championship, holy fuck. Holy fuck, that would be amazing. These two would put on potentially... An outstanding match. If you give them 30 minutes. Telling you right now. Now we have the women's world championship battle royal. Now Zaya Lee. She attacked Becky Lynch when she was coming out. And they're telling the story of Zaya Lee's kicks. Can knock somebody out. Adam Pierce, Who was just animated. He was livid. He told Zaya Lee. No. You're not going to be in this battle royal. You're out of it. You're out of here. So, they escorted Xia Li out, and the Battle Royal itself, the first part, didn't really care about it, but the second part, the second half, picked up a little bit more. So, the order of elimination, Nikki Cross gets eliminated. She's just sta- she's standing there like she's in a trance. I don't know where they're going with uh, Nikki Cross, but she got eliminated. Piper Niven got eliminated. Maxine Dupree, Katana Chance, Caden Carter... Chelsea Green, Indy Hartwell, 
Natalia, Tegan Knox, Nia Jax, Ivy Now, who I thought did really well in this battle royal, Raquel Rodriguez, and Shayna Baszler. So the winner of this match was Zoe Stark. Now that's going to be intriguing. And I think this should be a good match. I think this should be a good match at Survivor Series for the Women's World Championship. And Zoe Stark's got... Zoe Stark's in... Um, and Rhea Ripley, I think, should be really good. The main event was fucking excellent. Seth Rollins defending his World Heavyweight Championship against Sami Zayn. I will say this about Sami Zayn. If he can't win the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, the World Heavyweight title has his name written all over it. I see World Heavyweight Championship written in Sami Zayn's name. Now, the match was excellent with... Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, he retained. And he showed respect to Zayn after the match. And then we got chaos. Judgment Day came in, blindsiding Zayn. Rollins levels with them with a tope. Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio overpower him. Jay Uso comes out to make the save. Cody comes out. And you got Adam Pierce. You got officials, sec- security. Um, referees coming in to break up this brawl. Adam Pierce, livid, grabs the match and he says, you want to play games? It'll be Jay, Seth, Cody, who will be competing in his first war games, and Sami Zayn taking on the Judgment Day. And he does his best William Regal's war. Nobody does it better than William Regal. I'm sorry. But I thought he did pretty well. And the chaos happens again. And Cody goes flying over the top. Leveling everybody. And that's how and that's how Raw went off the air. Strong build. And my only hope. I don't know if they're doing 5 on 5. Maybe they're just going to do 4v4. But you're leaving out Judgment Day doing business with the Bloodline. Maybe it's Solo who joins them. Maybe it's Jimmy. Since... Roman does not want to appear on the fucking show. Like, he doesn't want to appear. Like, it would make sense for Roman to appear at Survivor Series, but he ain't going to be there at Survivor Series. Like, at this point, why even have the title on him? Hopefully, he drops it next year, okay? Because it's starting to play out, all right? But other than that, I enjoyed Monday Night Raw. I thought this was a really good, strong episode of... uh. Of Survivor Series. Not, not of Survivor Series. Of uh, Monday Night Raw. To build towards Survivor Series. Now let's talk NXT. Which I thought was good. And they kicked th- things off. With the NXT Heritage Cup. Between Noam Dar. And Akira Tozawa. I thought they had a decent match. A decent opener. With Noam Dar retaining. I really wanted Akira Tozawa to, to win. So he could do the dance with the trophy. That would be nice. Now, after the match, Ordo Mensa got into Zawa's face. Maxine Dupree slaps him, and Gable hits a German suplex, and Otis hits a senton. So, I thought I thought that was the post match was pretty good. We had Lyra Valkyria, the new NXT Women's Champion, coming out, and Valkyria says she never dreamed of becoming the NXT Women's Champion the way she did, 
And those who say to never meet your heroes are wrong. She said fans made this place feel like magic when she defeated Becky Lynch to become the new title holder. And they showed them, they showed the world what a women's main event is. All of a sudden, Zia Lee showed up. And Valkyria invites her. And Lee asks Valkyria if she saw what I did to Becky ahead of the number one contenders women's battle royal last night. And warns Valkyria that I'm coming for that title. And she knocked the fuck out of that security guard with that roundhouse kick. Again, trying to tell the story that Zia Lee's kick is devastating. Is devastating. She took out Candice LeRae. She took out Becky Lynch. And she knocked the fuck out of a security guard. So it looks like that's the first program that they're going to be doing with Lyra. I mean, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think it's good. And uh, we'll see what uh, she she's capable of if this is the match for NXT Deadline. I think that's where we'll be heading. So, and look, I don't mind Zia Lee on NXT. I think she should have stayed there. But we'll see. We have Alpha Academy backstage, and they announced they will be appearing on the Supernova Sessions. They run into Drew Gulak, Charlie Dempsey, Damon Kemp, and Miles Bourne. I guess this is catch point in WWE. And we have a confrontation between Gulak and Otis. And we get a match between the two later on, which I'm just going to go through it right now. I thought they had a decent match with Otis getting the win and they do the dance. Like Alpha Academy, they dance to uh, celebrate. I thought it was okay. We had Tiffany Stratton taking on Fallon Henley. This is a qualification match for uh, for the uh, NXT deadline event. Like, I, I thought this was good. It was... How would I put this? I, I thought um, Tiffany Stratton was really good in this match. This is for the Iron Survivor Challenge and... The match itself, let me rephrase that. The match itself, it was okay. Now, the issue is, and this is just how I see it, the little issue that I had was, it looked like Fallon Henley was concussed. Like, it, it, it was okay, but um, it seems like Fallon Henley might have been injured in that match. And according to the Wrestling Observer, it looks like she's on concussion protocol. And hopefully she's okay. But Tiffany Stratton winning was the right choice. So she's going to be in the Iron Survivor Challenge for the women. I'm looking forward to seeing what Tiffany can do. And I honestly think Tiffany is pretty much main roster ready. I would not be surprised if we see her at the Royal Rumble next year. Now, we had a backstage verbal exchange between Baron Corbin and Wes Lee. And it looks like that's going to set up a match between the two next week. I don't know. We have Braun Breaker taking on Von Wagner. I thought this was pretty decent with Braun Breaker getting the win. And Braun Breaker, I'm going to say this. He has the best spear in pro wrestling. The best spear. So he speared Von Wagner on the outside. He speared him again on the inside. 
and he pinned him to win the match. Now, after this match, Robert Stone hits him with a chair shot, and Breaker just quickly recovers and stares Stone down. He slides out of the ring, and Breaker follows him, looking to send him crashing through the table to the announce desk when Von Wagner sneaks up behind him, and he power bombs him through the desk, which got a big reaction. So, I like this. I thought this was pretty good. You had Kalani Jordan and Roxanne Perez teaming up against Electra Lopez and Lola Vice. Ariana Grace, I, I'm starting to like her character a little bit. She is that annoying character that you love to hate. I like it. Now, she was sitting on the ramp like a movie star watching the match. And Kalani and Roxanne, they got the win. And Ariana Grace is running her mouth when Carmen Petrovic clocks her from behind and says, will you please shut up? And I like Carmen Petrovic. (laughs) I like Carmen Petrovic for that. So that is cool to see. We had a segment with Chase U. We had the representatives of the family hand over an envelope to JC Jane. She opens it and catches a glimpse of what it says. Andre Chase catches her and snatches the envelope from her before Duke Hudson and Thea Hale walk in and asking, what's going on? So they change the subject about quickly and informs Hudson that Chase will be defending the NXT Tag Team Championships against the family next week. Now Chase dismisses the rest of the class and Hudson leaves leaves with Hale. Jane follows them and Chase... Leaving Chase to deeply contemplate something. Now, I don't know what it was, but uh, that they showed, well, what he saw. But it probably spooked them a little bit. Maybe it's a secret that we don't know. Which makes it a little bit intriguing. But I can't wait to see what they do. We had the Iron Survivor qualifying match for the men's side. We had Dijak taking on Tyler Bate. This was a really great match. I thought this was the best match on the entire show. And Dijak advances. He qualifies in the Iron Survivor Challenge for the men. And I couldn't be more happier for that. I think Dijak is criminally underrated. Just criminally underrated. And uh, I can't wait to see what he does on, uh, on NXT Deadline. Now, the main event. Last week, we ended on a cliffhanger with Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes is in the ring, and he wastes no time, and he calls Trick Williams out, and Trick Williams comes out. Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. Oh, yeah, man. Fucking love it. Um, He makes his way down to the ring, and Hayes tells Williams that, look, I understand why you're upset, but... The roadblocks are part of the journey. He says he called Williams to share the glory of his title reign. And Williams says, I'm having a hard time figuring things out after doing nothing but putting Hayes first for the past two years. He says every time Hayes won a title, it felt like I did too. Hayes says when I won, Williams did too. And Williams says it was easy for Hayes when he had the ball to take all the shots. And he questions why Hayes can't support him. 
in the same way now that I have the ball. And he looks to ask him if he attacked him. Now, this is Detective Shino going at this. He dodges the question. He cuts him off. And he asks, look, if I believed in him. And he's like, I've always been there for you. And and you know, he always knows you were destined for greatness. He says, I've been telling him for months. And he, he knew, like, I knew you had potential to be a once-in-a-lifetime performer. And he asks Williams if that answers the question. And Williams says, I want to have my moment. He says, I was always there when Hayes was there. And he questions, where were you? He says, Hayes hasn't been there when he was attacked. And Hayes looks to confront that, confirm that Williams never saw who attacked him. Your eyes on that. And he asks Hayes once again, did you attack me? Now, before he can answer, Lexus King comes out and King gives his own version of what's happening. And both Hayes and Williams tell him that this does not involve him. But King's like, look, I'm trying to help the two of you get to the bottom of this. And he accuses Hayes of being the attacker. He says, it could have been someone new to NXT with a dork mind and asks Williams if he's sure Hayes was the attacker. Williams tries to clock Lexus King, but he accidentally clocks uh, Carmelo Hayes. And he immediately apologizes and he's looking to help Hayes up, but Hayes slaps his hand away for the first time, but he takes it for the second time and they hug. And if you paid attention, because I'm an observer, I know what my eyes, you see Hayes is angry, visibly angry. If that does not tell you that he did it, then it confirms it that he did it. Like, I don't even need to tell you that it was somebody else. It was clearly Carmelo Hayes who attacked Trick Williams. And the reason is because I feel like he was jealous of the rise of Trick Williams. I feel like jealousy is going to play a part into the reason why he attacked uh, tr- Trick Williams. I'm telling you, I believe it's Carmelo Hayes. I know you guys don't want to believe it, but I know that is Carmelo Hayes. I think he did it. I firmly believe that he did it. And we might get the reveal at NXT deadline. We might get the reveal when, I don't know. But we'll see. But I'm telling you, it is going to be him. Maybe NXT Anonymous has something up their sleeves. But they left you with another cliffhanger, but with a hint that it was Carmelo. I don't need anybody to say that it was not him. Because I know you guys are going to be in denial once the reveal happens. And it was him. The heartbreak on social media is going to be tremendous. And I would be the guy be like, I told you so. It wouldn't, like, it wouldn't make sense if it was somebody. And, like, here's the thing. And I want people to understand this. 
Like, they're building towards that breakup with Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. There's nothing else for Carmelo Hayes to do on NXT. He's pretty much done everything. If I was booking this, the only person who should... The only person who I think should be the guy to reveal who did it, it was Carmelo. Like, if you choose somebody random, it wouldn't make sense. It just kills all the intrigue. And I don't want that for Carmelo and uh, Trick. Because this is the most intriguing story in all of of, of NXT right now. Like, we all know he did it. We all know he did it. So, I believe is Carmelo Hayes. And I stand by it. Tell me when I'm telling lies. It's it's Carmelo. He did it. He fucking did it. Uh, Smackdown Live took place at the Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. And... This was a strong episode. This was a nice, strong episode for the fallout of uh, Crown Jewel. Even though I still call Crown Jewel the weakest uh, show of the premium live events. But it was still good. But I I like the follow-up with this. And we have two heels. We got two heel turns, which I was happy to see. And we got some new additions to uh, a stable. So, uh... Let's get right into it. And we're going to start off with Kevin Owens because let me let me mention this with KO. KO is amazing on commentary. <laughs> if he does not wrestle full time, if he wants to be a commentator, then by all means, give him the role. He is amazing at it. He was the highlight of SmackDown in my honest opinion. But um, we kick off the show with Rey Mysterio, the former United States champion, and he welcomes everyone to SmackDown. And he addresses losing the U.S. title to Logan Paul. And he said, Paul stole his title from him. And while the referee's decision was final, um, Paul wouldn't have been able to beat him without brass knuckles. He promises to do whatever to get a rematch, which brings out Carlito. And he now he's in his gear because he has a match uh, up next. And he says no one wants to see him as United States champion more than him. But you shouldn't be blaming Paul for your loss. You should be pointing the finger of blame at Santos Escobar, who left the brass knuckles on the apron intentionally. And he gets in his face. And and I'm so glad somebody called him out on it, because I'm like, don't just sweep it under the rug. You got to call him out on it. So he gets in his face. And you have Cruz Del Toro and Joaquin Wiles. They're holding him back. And Escobar, who was angry, he was pissed off. He leaves the ring, and you got Ray and Zelina Vega chasing after him. And you got Del Toro and Wild questioning why Carlito just did that. And then Bobby Lashley comes out, which, by the way, entrance is still a thing of beauty. And we get this match, which, it wasn't bad. I'm going to be real, it wasn't bad. It was just, it was just eh. But um, you had a lot of you had interferences from the Street Profits. You had you had Cruz Del Toro and McKean Wilds fighting the Street Profits. Angelo Dawkins was on point during these interferences. Like he was on point. 
Now, Bobby Lashley, he won with the spear. And you got Lashley and the Prophets. After the match, they're continuing to attack Carlito. And Santos is just watching. He's not doing nothing. And, like, I know they're saying he's debating on what he should do. But you know what he was planning. Now, Ray runs down with a chair. And that forces the heels to retreat. And he's questioning why Escobar did nothing. So they start arguing and he checks on Carlito and Escobar clocks him from behind. Ray, he's slapping him, landing forearms on him that sends him to the ring apron. And you had you have Ray who's looking to help him up, but Escobar sends him crashing into this ring post, spine first. He lands on the ring steps and the Escobar delivers a dropkick to this ring steps right on the legs, and I say right on the groin of his hero. And he tells him, you were my hero, but you made me do this. You made me do this. It was supposed to be the two of us. And he just walks out, and you got LWO just looking shocked. Zelina Vega was in tears. And I like this. I honestly like this. I love the drama with LWO. I love the heel turn with Santos Escobar. But we're going to get the Legado del Fantasma theme back because that is my favorite theme. But I, I'm curious to see where they go next with um, the LWO storyline because I, I like this. I thought this was well done. I thought this was executed perfectly. Now, Kathy Kelly, after the commercial break, she's chasing after Santos and she's looking for an answer. Why did you attack Ray? And Escobar pretty much says he had it coming and he just storms out of the building. I'm loving it. Love it. This was really good. But it gets better. We had Bailey coming out. And she has she said, like, I had a plan and a vision for EO Sky and Dakota Kai since damage control first began. And everything she wanted to happen for them, them has. She says Sky has defeated the best in the business. As the women's champion, she named Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, and Asuka. And it's Sky's, she says it's Sky's era, and thanks to her plan, she says Crown Jewel should have been the group's proudest moment, but she was blindsided by the return of Kyrie Sane. She says damage control doesn't do things that way and calls Sky down to the ring. So EO comes out and she comes out with Dakota and Kyrie Sane. And I, I I just love how Kyrie looks. Like, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm being biased towards Kyrie, but my God, she looks fucking amazing. Like, she she just fits that dark pirate princess role. And her gear when she had that gear she had in the main event, her entrance gear. Oh my lord. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now. Bailey asks, why is Kyrie Sane here? And Sky says, look, I had a plan too to retain my title. She asks Bailey if that's what you wanted. And Bailey says it is. And she throws a video of her attacking Kyrie three years ago. This was during the pandemic era. Three years ago, before she left WWE. And she explains that's the reason she's concerned about having Sane around. Now, Kai says, Sane wasn't bought into damage control to hurt Bailey. She says they wanted to take some of the weight off of Bailey and says the group is stronger than ever. Kyrie gets on the mic and she says, look, I respect you, Bailey, as leader of damage control. 
and she forgives her for the attack. And she's looking for the hug. And I, I love this line. This was funny. Bailey says, I don't do the hugs anymore. So they all, Dakota, EO, and Kyrie, they all hugged B- Bailey, which the only thing that was missing was zooming out. Got to give the people what they want. But Bianca's music hits. Bianca comes out and she says, while Sam might have forgiven Bailey, I certainly don't. And says, she, and says she didn't have the conf, didn't have the confidence to face her one on one like she thought, and she then reveals that Damage Control will be facing her and two partners who have an issue with Damage Control. One was Charlotte Flair, and another, and I love this line right here, was, and Kyrie, there's someone who was not happy to see you return with Damage Control, and she brings out Asuka. Now, Asuka, she is saying some stuff in Japanese, and she ended it with no one's ready for Asuka, which, and and I thought this was good. I thought this was a good segment. I love, like, the build-up a little bit. I love the fact that we are taking time with this damage control storyline, because, and I'm going to get why when we talk about the main event, because it's going to play a part for next year, which I think has Royal Rumble implications in it. But I enjoy this. I thought this was great. And uh, and it, like I said, it was really good. What I thought was the match of the night for SmackDown was Dragon Lee versus Cedric Alexander. The rematch. And first and foremost, number one, can we just mention how great Dragon Lee's Titantron is? He comes out of a fucking dragon's mouth. That's awesome. Whoever came up with that idea, like, like seriously... Like, if anybody in WWE is listening to this, whoever came up with that idea, you got to give that person a raise because th- this is one of my favorite Titan Trons right now. Number two, Cedric Alexander, criminally underutilized, and he could still put on great matches like this. I don't know why he's not. Like, are, are they telling me that he's literally a part of SmackDown now because he could go to Raw, he could go to NXT, he could go to SmackDown. If I'm Nick Aldis, I'm keeping this... I'm keeping this guy on SmackDown. And three, do yourself a favor and watch this match. Like, this is the Cedric Alexander I remember in the Cruiserweight Classic. This is the Cedric Alexander I remember when he won the Cruiserweight title. Like, I want them to do more with Cedric Alexander. I really do. Like... He should not be just a guy. And and I I really mean that wholeheartedly. He should not be, oh, he's just a guy on the roster. That's not what I want with Cedric. And I think Triple H knows that. I mean, we're seeing more of Cedric on on WWE television. And I think that plays a part with um, Triple H's vision because he wants to hit the reset with this guy. Now, sure, he may be losing a lot, but... I, I think, in my honest opinion, he has done a tremendous job. Even looking great in defeat against Dragon Leaf. Not once, but twice. This was amazing. Like, seriously, do yourself a favor. Watch that match. The crowd was into this. They were chanting, this is awesome. Trust me, I would be chanting, this is awesome, too. If I was watching that live, because Dragon Lee is a fucking beast. And, honestly, I see him as a United States champion and in the future, but it's not the time. They're, they're taking the time to build up uh, Dragon Lee, which I think that's the right direction to, to go with. 
but Cedric Alexander, he eats another L. And I don't I don't care if they run it back. I don't care if they run it back. <laughs> I want to see this match again. Fuck it. <laughs> I want to see this match again. Let them go until Cedric wins. Like, I hope, like, I really hope this is the start of resetting Cedric Alexander. I hope that's what they're doing. Because the man is too damn good to be just another guy. But Dragon Lee, I say this every time, Dragon Lee, he's going to be a main player when he when they start building him for title contentions on the main roster. Watch. I'm telling you right now. Now, LA Knight, he comes out and he says, let me talk to you. He says, Crown Jewel didn't go the way he hoped as he hoped. And he says, I wish I could have said that I fell short or lived up to the expectation, but I'd be a liar if I did. He said, I would, I would have been the new undisputed WWE Universal Champion if it weren't for Jimmy Uso. And then he says, I'm not done with the bloodline until he owns Roman Reigns and the WWE. This brings out Grayson Waller and he makes his way down to the ring. And he tells Knight, you're embarrassing yourself, blaming everyone but yourself. He says, maybe Knight isn't the guy, but he knows someone who is. And he acts, and he does this impromptu Grayson Waller effect show. And he asks him if he really thinks he belongs in the ring with Roman Reigns. Now, and Knight reminds Waller of what happened to him at Crown Jewel. And there's this line, which is one of the best things I have ever heard. This was like the ultimate... <laughs> the ultimate... Wham line right here. LA Knight tells Grayson Waller, the Grayson Waller effect, that sounds like some sort of STD, right? I get the feeling you're not allowed within 50 yards of a school, you creep. <laughs> oh my God. He cooked this man so bad. Well, just that one line alone. He cooked Grayson Waller so badly that there was no comeback for him. There was no comeback for him. And he says, I'm about to take every bit of anger and frustration and that I have out on Waller. So he does his L and he does this twice. Now he does the L and he blocks the punch from Grayson Waller and he goes, A, the crowd goes, A, and he decks him and the crowd says, Knight. And he's like, let me say my catchphrase again. And he does it again. L.A. Knight. That was, that was nice. I enjoyed this. L.A. Knight cooked the living shit out of Grayson Waller. And that was just oh so glorious. We had L.A. Knight taking on Grayson Waller. This was a rebound for um for L.A. Knight. And I enjoyed this. I thought this was okay with um L.A. Knight winning with the BFT. Blunt force trauma to pick up the victory. And, uh... After that, <laughs> and this is where Kevin Owens becomes the best thing. He replays the um the telestation about the double punch, just one punch that took out Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. He replayed that, and he was just having too much fun. Like he, I was having fun with it. He got me laughing so fucking hard. So Austin Theory and Grayson Waller they storm at ringside, and. They were angered by what Kevin Owens has been do doing. 
they shove him and they pour a bottle of water on his on the top of his head. And he asks, did, did he just pour water on me? Did he throw that water bottle on you? And that's Dai remark. Okay, I'm about to get suspended. So he takes his headset off. He attacks um the two of them. He hits a stunner on a uh, wall. Like he's trying to go for the stunner on Austin Theory, but Theory manages to get out. Waller tries to sneak behind him, but Owens clocks him with a stunner. And later on, it was revealed that um, Kevin Owens was suspended indefinitely by Nick Aldis. But uh, I like this. Can we have more KO on commentary, please? Best thing on that entire uh, show. The main event was a six-woman tag team match. You had Bianca, Charlotte, and Asuka taking on damage control, which was Kyrie, Io, and Bayley. Um, this really didn't do much, but it wasn't the match that was important. It was what happened. Um, it was an angle. That's the best way I could describe it. It was an angle. Now, Charlotte, now Bianca Belair, she was trying to make the tag to Asuka. She's reaching for it. She's reaching for it. Asuka pulls her hand back, sprays the blue mist on Bianca Belair, and she clocks her with the buzzsaw kick. Looks at Kyrie, and she's telling her, come here, come here. And she gives Kyrie a hug. Io get, gets in the ring. She gets a hug. Bailey comes in. She gets a hug. And this was just damage control, beating the, the crap out of Charlotte and Bianca. Shotzi tried to get involved, but numbers game, too much for her. And damage control, they stood tall in this at the end of the show. Now, what's my takeaway from this? My takeaway, and... And this is just me when I say this. My takeaway is it looks like we're setting up a heel a babyface turn for um for Bailey. I mean, she needs a character change. And I'm gonna be real when I say this. Like her heel run played out. Like it's played out. And I see her getting excommunicated by uh, either Dakota or EO. More than likely, it would be EO because it makes the most sense. She would get excommunicated by EO. And um, you have... Like, you have this sto story about EO possibly winning the Royal Rumble. You, you can't... If you want to take early bets on who should win the Royal Rumble, I could definitely see Bianca... I could definitely see Bailey. Um winning the Royal Rumble because and that could lead into a story with um with EO heading into WrestleMania which I think makes sense. I honestly think it would make the most sense if you do if you do something like that. I would be okay with that. Now also, this sets up the women's war games match for the SmackDown side. You got EO, Asuka, Kyrie, and Bailey representing damage control. Taking on Charlotte, Bianca, Shotzi, and possibly a fourth mystery opponent. Now, who could it be? I don't know who could it be. Now, I've heard names like, well, maybe Jay Cargill. Maybe Jay Cargill would be uh would be the uh participant. And Look, I don't mind that. I think that's a good idea, but again, my little takeaway, like it you're just starting this 
this new and improved damage control. Like, I get bringing Jay Cargill in would really limit her what she can really do because for me personally, and this is just me, like, I see, I could see it being her. That would be a nice way to debut Jay Cargill and be on the SmackDown brand. Mm, but I've also heard that Becky Lynch is another name that I see that I literally see pairing with Bianca, Charlotte, and Shotzi, which is kind of, like, I don't know how you could do it with uh, Becky Lynch, because Becky's a Raw superstar. I don't know how that's going to work. I honestly don't know how that's going to work. And also, is she she's also going to be feuding with Zia Lee. That's another thing that people don't talk about. She's currently feuding with Zia Lee, even though Zia Lee is going to be feuding with uh, Lyra Valkyria for the NXT women's title, possibly at NXT deadline. And I definitely see that being the case, but I mean, Becky does have history with Kyrie and Asuka and Io and Bailey. But, um, there was another name people have been saying. What if they bring bring back Sasha Banks? I, I don't see it happening. Even though that would be nice. Even though that would be good. But, again, my little takeaway is we don't know what's on the mind of Sasha Banks. We don't know if she, if she wants to come back. I don't think she's ever going to come back. <laughs> but, hey, it's pro wrestling. Never say never. You never know what's going to happen. But it would be nice if we got Sasha. Because she has history with Asuka. She has history with Bailey. She has history with Kyrie. She had a match with Io during the pandemic era on NXT. Which was an excellent match. So I would not mind that at all. But if... Like, it can't be Zelina Vega because she's dealing with LWO drama. Mia Yim, we haven't seen her on television that often. And I don't think they're doing... I don't know what the hell they're doing with Mia Yim. Like, they need to do something with Mia Yim. I'm sorry. Like, I'm putting my foot down for that. Like, do something with Mia Yim, goddammit. Because we know how good she is. Like, don't just have her sit in the back, do nothing. Fuck. Like, establish her. Give people a reason to care about Mia Yim. But it's not going to be... Um, it's not going to be Mia. It's probably going to be Becky... My wild card would be Jay Cargill or maybe somebody who's getting called up from NXT. I don't know, like a Roxanne Perez or... Like, Roxanne would make sense because she had history with... A brief history with Damage Control because she was on SmackDown in New Orleans. And she teamed with Shotzi and Raquel during that time. And that was when Bray Wyatt made his return. Oh, I miss Bray. But... I'm I'm gonna say it's Becky. If they want Becky in war games, that then that's fine. But if they want to keep it a surprise, I would keep it a surprise. That's what I would do. Get people guessing. But anyway, that that was SmackDown. I thought this was a strong episode with story of heading into war games. I, I like this. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. I am getting the heck out of here. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate all of you. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter, Shino D Phoenix. Follow me on Instagram, Cool Man Sip. That's the same as Threads. Um, follow me on TikTok, Shino D Phoenix. Um, 
subscribe to the YouTube channel, Shino D Phoenix, and follow me on my Twitch and Kick because we're gonna be doing three streams uh uh this week. Two on Twitch, one on Kick. So and it's Shino Phoenix. So until then, guys, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can. And uh this Phoenix, he flies off into the sunset. Have a great day, guys. Thank you.